0: This is a ping pong ball. It's orange. More importantly though, it does what? It bounces. It bounces, that's like key. If, you, if it doesn't bounce, it doesn't ping, or pong. This is a cork. How many people knew that this is the original ping pong ball? Right? You ever play ping pong with a cork? No. You know why you've never played ping-pong with a cork? Yeah, it doesn't bounce. This is, this is no fun. It would just be thud. Anyone want to play a game of thud? It doesn't ping or pong. Just thud. Well, Peter. Remember, we've, we've been talking about Peter's first letter since Easter. Peter was the worst cork ever. He didn't float. I mean, even a cork can float, right? You remember the story. Peter sank. And also, when he sank in life, he didn't bounce back. He kind of landed with a thud. You might remember when Jesus was arrested, Peter denied that he even knew him. He ran away, and he sank lower, even lower than he had when he tried to walk on water, and he sank He was a cork, only he didn't even float. And in fact, that's kind of where he ended up after Jesus died. Back in the water, floating in a boat, fishing. Getting on like he'd never really even met this man named Jesus. It's amazing to me sometimes when I think about it. I think that's why we're drawn to Peter's story so much. It's amazing to me to think that this sorry cork of a Peter would go on to bounce back like nobody's business. Remember, last Sunday we celebrated the ascension of Christ back to his father's house. Technically, that happens on a Thursday, 40 days after Easter. And on that day, Jesus promised Peter and the disciples that his Holy Spirit would come to them In 10 days. So 10 days from last Thursday is today. 50 days. Pentecost. That's the day that the disciples were holed up in a room in Jerusalem. That's the day when this happened. It's in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. We read, When the day of Pentecost had come. They were all together in one place and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each and every one of them and all of them were filled with the what the holy spirit And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may your Spirit descend upon us today with a rush of wind, with flames of tongue, tongues of flame, (laughs) and with power, Lord. May we be emboldened enlivened. May we be lifted up by your Spirit to proclaim boldly your word to the world. So give each of us a word that might move us in new directions. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. A violent rush of wind and tongues of fire filled the room. The Holy Spirit filled the disciples and Peter did what? He bounced, he bounced back. This same Peter that denied his friend, the Messiah, this same Peter that had fled, that had failed, this same Peter that tried to forget the miracles, the teaching, the truth of Jesus Christ, this same Peter, 50 days later, strode out of that room, filled with the Holy Spirit, and preached the very first gospel sermon ever preached. And 3,000 people responded, were baptized, and were themselves, we read, filled with the Spirit. Peter was not a cork any longer. Peter bounced. Peter was celluloid. No, really, celluloid. You all know celluloid, right? That's what ping pong balls were made of from about 1900 until finally in 2015 they were replaced by plastic. Everything's being replaced by plastic. We're going to be replaced by plastic pretty soon. <laughs> celluloid. If you don't know what it is, I looked it up for you and it makes clear sense to me that it's a manufacturing substance made from a homogeneous colloidal dispersion of nitrocellulose and camphor. That help Anyone? Me neither. <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, what it is, is a man-made substance that unlike cork, it can bounce, bounce, bounce. It's used to make combs, guitar picks, toys, photography film back in the day. And apparently, when you form it into a ball, it does indeed bounce. No matter how far this ping pong ball falls, it will what? Bounce back. So Peter went from a thudding cork to cellulose. He bounced back. From I don't know him to leading 3,000 other people to know him. That's an epic bounce if you ask me. But what changed in Peter? Or rather, what changed Peter from a cork to a celluloid ball? What was it? Someone I heard, what? It's homogeneous colloidal dispersion of... Is that? No. (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit. The advocate. The comforter. The very breath of God. And it changed Peter completely that's why in his first letter peter can write this beautiful we've been in this letter here's his closing benediction in first peter 5 he says after you have suffered for a little while the god of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in christ will himself restore support strengthen and establish you to him be the power forever and ever Amen. You see, at Christ's death, Peter had suffered, and not just for a little while. Like, can you imagine the suffering he would have endured watching what his friend Jesus went through in Jerusalem? Can you imagine the mental suffering he endured knowing that he had failed Jesus in his hour of need, just as Jesus had predicted? And Peter didn't just suffer in those three days. Even after Christ's resurrection, even after Peter received the Holy Spirit, he would have suffered as he lost friends and family because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He would have suffered watching Stephen and some of those other disciples lose their lives because of their faith in Jesus. And he suffered as the Roman Empire began to make things more and more difficult for those early Christians. And Peter assuredly suffered just like we all suffer. He was human. We all suffer sometimes watching friends and family succumb to illness. We suffer through our day-to-day struggles. Peter suffered managing the personalities of the early church. We suffer, if you're like me, managing our own personality, much less those around us. Peter suffered trying to keep a movement together. Anyone here ever suffered, just trying to keep their life together, just trying to hold it together? All of us have struggles in our lives that lead us to suffering. And the thing is, Peter doesn't deny that. Even after Christ, he doesn't deny that we will still suffer. In fact, the Greek word for suffering appears in Peter's letter more than it appears in any other book in the New Testament. Sixteen times he talks about suffering. Only six of those are about the suffering that Christ endured. The other ten are about the suffering that we will endure. Ten out of sixteen times he's acknowledging that, yes, we will suffer. But Peter knows that we will have something very powerful to carry us through our dark and difficult times. The God of all grace, he says, is on our side. Great grace unearned, unmerited love for us. And God is not only gracious to us, but he has called us to his eternal glory in Christ. It's why we're called Christians, little Christs. Y'all know you're a little Christ. Little anointed ones. That's what Christ means, by the way. Did y'all know that? Anointed one, Christos, the word in Greek. So Jesus Christ is Jesus, the anointed one. The Greeks use this word Christos to translate the word Messiah, Mishash, from, the, from the Hebrew in the Old Testament. Anointed one. Anointing in scripture, it goes back to the very beginning when the first human ever, Adam, was anointed with the breath of God, with God's spirit. And that anointing brought Adam to life. Priests in the Old Testament were anointed like Aaron and his sons, the oil dripping off their beards like dew on Mount Hermon. They were holy, set apart. They were close to God, just like the tabernacle. If you read in Exodus, God tells Moses, anoint the tabernacle, this holy place that brings us close to God. Kings like David, we read, received the power of the Holy Spirit when they were anointed. And the prophet Joel said that one day all God's people would be anointed by the Holy Spirit, empowered to speak powerfully and prophetically, men and women, boys and girls, slaves and free. That just happens to be the scripture that Jesus picked up and read. Jesus himself was anointed, or Peter picked up and read, excuse me, in his first sermon. Jesus himself was anointed by Mary and that expensive perfume. But even before that, Christ was anointed by water and the Spirit at his baptism. Christ is the who? The anointed one. And then Peter and the disciples on Pentecost, they were anointed By the Holy Spirit, they, like David, felt the power of the Spirit within them, enabling them and strengthening them to share the gospel. And that anointing enabled Peter to do the good work God had set out before him, despite the hardships, despite the struggles, despite his suffering, because through his anointing on Pentecost, Peter had the power of the who? The Holy Spirit. I'm calling it today Pentecost power. Pentecost power. When Peter writes that God will restore, support, strengthen, and establish us, he is describing the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the same spirit that restored the dry bones to life that Ezekiel saw in his vision. This is the same spirit that supported Jesus during his 40 days in the wilderness. This is the same spirit that strengthened Stephen as he stood boldly against torture and torment at the hands of Saul and the Jewish leaders. And it's the same spirit that established the Christian church at Pentecost. A church full of anointed ones who follow the anointed one. Christians, you, you are anointed ones following the anointed one. This anointing, It's one of my favorite words. It's a beautiful mystery. Because the Spirit is a mystery. Which is why the Spirit is so powerful in our lives. How many people here like to talk about Jesus? How many people here like to talk about God? You know who's really hard to talk about? The Holy Spirit. It makes us uncomfortable. And I think it makes us uncomfortable because we can't contain the Spirit. We can't explain the Spirit. We can't own the Spirit. We can't control the Spirit. The Spirit blows where the Spirit blows. And that can make us nervous, nervous enough not to talk about the Holy Spirit. But if we avoid the work of the third person of the Trinity, we avoid the richness, the beauty, and the wonder of the fullness of God. I felt it in my life despite myself. Man, I grew up with the frozen chosen. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. It was just God and Jesus in Sunday school because that's the answer to everything, right? But that anointing that I felt, it's how I went from a socially anxious, not very talkative, ivory tower bookworm to a pastor preaching in front of some pretty intimidating people week after week, preaching the good news empowered by God's Spirit. I felt it in Japan when my life changed and I was overcome by this anointing of the Holy Spirit. I, I felt it when Bishop Farr anointed me with oil at my ordination. I, I was a cork. But through the power of the Spirit, I'm cellulose celluloid, not cellulose. I am that. (laughs) I'm celluloid. I speak truth in this room. (laughs) But here's the thing. I'm not the only one. All of us who call ourselves Christians, we're calling ourselves anointed. When you say, I am a Christian, you are acknowledging that you, too, are an anointed one. You have the same spirit that empowered David to lead a nation. You have the same spirit that hovered over Christ at his baptism. The same spirit that gave the disciples a thousand tongues to sing and share the gospel. You see, that's what Jesus did for us. He promised us the Holy Spirit. And Christ delivered on that promise. So that we might be empowered to do what Christ told us to do, which is make disciples, share the gospel with others who are suffering, others who are struggling, others who need to know that the God of all grace wants to restore, support, strengthen, and establish them. So, our question is all year long what will you do? you that call yourselves Christians, anointed ones. Will you live into that name? Will you accept that power? Will you remember that you have been anointed to go out and share the good news? So who is with me? Who's ready to go out tomorrow and preach and bring 3,000 people to Christ? A couple of us. Thank you, ping pong people. The rest of y'all are corks. No, no. No. How about this, though? How about we start small? Right? You don't got to go, None, we're, we're not Peter. <laughs> we can't go from zero to 3,000 in one day, although it is Pentecost. But how about we start with one ping pong ball? How about leaning into the Holy Spirit today and bouncing back from wherever you found yourself these days, whatever struggle, whatever hardship, whatever hurt you've been pulled into, remember, we've got the Spirit. What if we bounce back? And what if we start with one prayer? May this ping pong ball represent one prayer. A prayer that God would bring to your heart, the Holy Spirit would bring to your heart one person that you might invite to come experience God's grace. One person in your orbit, if it's a family member, a friend, a neighbor, someone who's been on your heart that you can pray for and you can invite to come And experience that same grace. I know we all know someone. And I know it's scary. I know it's hard. I know like Peter. I mean tomorrow's Memorial Day. How many of us want to just get on our boat? But through prayer. And through inviting the spirit into our hearts. May we be emboldened. To invite. So I want to take a moment. All of us now. Go ahead and close your eyes. Breathe deep of the spirit. Open yourself to God. And allow a name to come to you. Be someone in your life, a neighbor, a family member, a friend, a co-worker. That God is placing on your heart today. someone that God, someone that the Spirit has been nudging you toward? Who might that be? Starting today, we're going to spend the summer actually doing what Jesus called us to do. We're going to spend the summer inviting others to come and see what Christ has done and is doing in our lives and in the life of this congregation. We're going to make it easy. You got a three-step process. Once I get to four, I'm out. Pip. Like the little things on the paddle, the pips in the rubber. Pray, invite, and then pray again. This orange ping-pong ball today represents your first prayer. So I want to invite you to take that Sharpie that you've been given... And write the initials of a name that's come to your heart that the Spirit has put there. Write the initials of that person on this ping pong ball to represent your prayer for the one that you feel God calling you to invite. Just a moment, we're going to play some music, share some scriptures. Write those initials on your ping pong ball as you feel called and then bring your ping pong ball up to that baptismal font and drop it in. Just don't drop from too high because it it bounces. (laughs) Drop it in that font. And then Pastor Shauna and I will be on either side of the stage that we might anoint you with oil lest you've forgotten that you are anointed ones empowered to share the gospel. And then after service today, do just that. Invite your person to faith and then pray that the Holy Spirit will work through them, work on them. I mean, here's the thing. Like, if you need any, like once this corky ping pong cork got the celluloid spirit, it went from a game played in a few upscale British parlors to an international sport in less than twenty years, and then an Olympic sport, and then in 1971, did you know this? It had become the national sport of China, and one of the first post-World War II diplomatic missions to communist China was a ping-pong match between a group of American ping-pong players and some. Chi- if if celluloid can do that, <laughs> imagine what the Holy Spirit can do in you and in me. Amen? Amen.